Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're Mom listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella, Mumbrella Cast. Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Damien Francis. It's been a big week in media and marketing again. Joining me to break down the week is managing editor Olivia Crimmel. Hello, Damien. And reporter Xander Wilson. Hello. Later in the Mumbrella cast, you'll hear my chat with TikTok's Brett Armstrong, where he spoke about making a name for TikTok in Australia. You know, this is just the first of many. We've got a big plan for the next uh, 12 months. What sets Australian marketers apart? I genuinely believe that we have the best, most advanced talent and practitioners in the world. And why advertising on TikTok is a cut above the rest. It's engaging with an authentic way, with creativity. But first, a look at some of the most interesting news of the week. SCA steps back into breakfast talk with Today FM and a new trio. IAB figures suggest advertising spend is on the up. And the news media bargaining code heats up again. SCA has announced it will launch a new talent-driven breakfast show on Sydney's Today FM in the next year, revealing its new offering, the Today FM Morning Crew with Husey, Ed and Erin Molan. The announcement sees ACRA-winning nine sports presenter Molan joined by Dave Husey-Hughes and Ed Cavalli. Today FM has had a troubled past in the breakfast slot since the departure of Kyle and Jackie O. It reverted to a music-based show, Music for Breakfast, with Jamie Angel in August last year after a number of disappointing talent-based shows previously. Hosts that have come and gone include Merrick Watts, Jules Lunds, Sophie Monk, Mel B, Dan DeBoof, Maz Compton, Rove McManus, Sam Frost, Harley Breen, M. Ruciano, Ash London and Grant Denyer. Xander, you're our radio expert and you've seen your fair share of talent come and go for various reasons. Why has SCA decided to revert back to a talent-based show now and does this iteration stand a chance? Um, I think initially it's quite important to note that the Music for Breakfast show was never a long-term proposition for Today FM. Um, it sort of saw them in a, in a holding pattern, which was probably quite a smart move really because at that time, uh, about 18 months ago, they probably didn't know what they wanted to do next. So rather than rush into a new proposition, they've taken their time there. Um, and I think with the new show, um, some things to note is it is quite a different lineup to their previous temps in recent years. Um, you mentioned plenty of names there. And apart from the Dan and Maz show, which plenty of people think was probably axed before its time, every other show either had a celebrity, comedian or TV personality uh, mixed in with experienced radio heads. Uh, this time in Husey and Ed, they've got two very experienced radio broadcasters. Um, they've got chemistry working with one another. But I think the key to this one is Erin Mullen. As you mentioned, she's um, a TV personality. She's won multiple Acro Awards. She's worked with Ray Hadley on 2GB and the Continuous Call Team. And she's also Sydney. She's very, very Sydney. So the other two personalities are Dave Hughes, who's quite Melbourne. Ed Cavalier's a bit more of a chameleon. He's worked in the Sydney market on Today FM Breakfast before. Um, but that local aspect, I think, is key because previously they've had talent phone in from other states for the Today FM Breakfast show, and that really hasn't resonated. Uh, so I spoke with Chief Content Officer Dave Cameron. Um, and he emphasised the fact that all three of them will be based in Sydney next year. They will be doing the show out of the SCA studios in Sydney. Um, and quite a damning line, I think he said to me, was this is not a station or shift that I have a desire to put in an inexperienced team and hope for the best. So whether that's a dig at past efforts, take that how you will. Um, but 
he he wants to establish Today FM as a flagship radio station for SCA again, and and this is how he's going about doing it. You mentioned that they had taken their time. Boy, did they ever take their time. The Music for Breakfast show has been on air for, for more than a year now. What were the ratings for that like? Were they forced into making this decision now because they, they just had to act? Well, the ratings on Jamie Angel's show initially recovered a little bit after their last breakfast show, which was uh, uh, Ed Cavalier, Ash London, and Grant Denyer uh, was axed. Um, but since then, it's rated in the twos and threes, sometimes in the fours. And you have to anticipate that that's probably what they expected with that show. As I previously mentioned, it was never really a long-term proposition. Um, and what it allowed for was, so Dave Cameron uh, came in at the end of 2019. Um, so he's had a good year to think about what he wants to do with that station at, and what he wants to do across the whole network talent-wise. Uh, he's a guy with a huge reputation for for eyeing really good talent. Um, so he's, as I said, he's taken a full year and he's made the decision to go with the show that he's got now. And you'd have to think that he's got some reasoning behind that. And market reactions, Xander, you've spoken to a few different people. You're pretty well connected in the radio scene. What was the market saying about this? Uh, do we expect this to be a long-term play? What were you hearing? Um, I mean, there's obviously plenty in the media are wondering this week what might be different this time. Um, for me and speaking to people in the industry, one of the key factors with this new show is is that longtime Husey and Kate executive producer, Sasha French, will be working on the show. Um, she's an absolute pro. She's won ACRAs. She's been working with Husey for the better part of two decades across three different networks, most of that on the Husey and Kate Drive show. Um, so I think she's a big win for them coming up to Sydney to produce the show. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where it's it's hard to see it changing. It's just been ingrained with talent change, talent change, talent change. But I'd really like to see them give this show more than a year um, and really see what Dave Cameron's vision for the station is over the next 12 months. And just before we get off the topic of radio as well, we also had uh, another announcement, which was Fox FM today. Xander, can you really briefly bring us up to date on that? Yeah, so um, another change uh, at a station that Dave Cameron's very familiar with. He spent 11 years as the content director at Fox, and now he's making changes to The Breakfast Show, which has been pretty much the same for the last three years. Uh, Nick Cody will be moving down from Triple M Brisbane Breakfast to move to Fox FM Breakfast. And Byron Cook, uh, who was the, uh, the anchor of the show and then became a more involved part of the show over the past three years especially, uh, will be leaving Southern Cross Stereo. Uh, I get, think this lineup changes is probably a bit more of a surprise than Today FM. I guess we always expect a different lineup at Today FM, uh, but this Fox Breakfast show um, has topped the ratings multiple times over the past three or four years um, and has really been a dominant show in the market, but declined over the last year or so. So um, they're obviously not waiting to see what happens there. Dave Cameron's jumping in here again and making a refresh to what has been a successful lineup. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Nick Cody goes. Again, localism is a theme here. Nick Cody's from Victoria. Um, so Dave's really just moving his chess pieces around and getting people into markets that they know really well. The IAB has released its latest figures, which show clear signs of a post-COVID recovery. 
The figures include an 11.3% growth in Q3 when compared with the previous quarter, while investment in Australian digital advertising totaled $2.263 billion in the quarter ending September 30, 2020. Search and directories were shown to make up 45% of all expenditure in Q3, with total investment rising to $1.006 billion. That was followed by general display advertising up 38% to $871 million. Xander, you covered this one for us as well. What were the other key figures from the report? Um, so some pl- plenty of good news there out of that report. Um, general display video formats up 11%. Uh, standard display was up 10%. And in-feed and native advertising did particularly well, uh, 19%. So all those areas experienced double-digit quarter-on-quarter recovery. Um, and the CEO of IAB Australia, uh, Gay Leroy, said the body expects to see continued recovery through Q4. Um, that's something that we saw in the most recent SMI figures as well, as well which um, addressed early October. Uh, digital spend did particularly well there, only down around 2% year on year. Um, and with the uh, NRL and AFL grand finals leading the way, TV ad spend um has was doing really well in those early figures too. So we're expecting the full figures for October soon, which should show further recovery for ad spend. Um, and you, you've been speaking to some people in the market, getting some reactions. Were there any comments that surprised you, Damien? Look, it's a completely different market now, it seems, by comparison to what we were seeing only even a few weeks ago. Like you mentioned, Zander, the, the SMI figures, uh, when they alluded to October, seemed pretty buoyant. IAB, these figures are very promising indeed. The people I've spoken to uh, across media marketing and largely in the marketing and agency sector have very much said that they're looking at expanding. They're making hires. We've covered so many stories recently about hires and senior hires as well at that, which obviously means there's build-up going on in the background. Why is there build-up? Build-up is based on pitches in market and new agency wins. So, there's pitches in market that are, are numerous, a, a number that we're tracking uh, and a number that uh, we know are going on in the background that, that can't be publicised at the moment. There's a, a lot of uh, activity from marketers as well, knowing that budgets are coming back and there's opportunity soon and they're getting gearing up for that uh, as well. Uh, but there's also a, a lot of uh, expansion in terms of the offerings that agencies are putting out there. Uh, And while we've seen mergers and acquisitions and and contractions as well, it's all seems to be largely reformation to ensure that those agencies are ready for, for 2021 and to make the best of the opportunities that are coming up. So no one I've spoken to so far is worried. Uh, Even when you talk about another breakout or something like that, it all seems to be quite positive because now we've had the experience of dealing with these. The economy seems to have settled uh, a fair bit. The market opportunities seem to be a lot more obvious than than what they potentially were one or two months ago. And it seems to be a lot more of a buoyant market right now. So I think we're ending 2020 in a good position. Let's see what happens Q1 and Q2 next year. But everyone I've spoken to so far is in a good position, seems to be quite happy with the situation. And like I said, I think the reports that we've had recently with with hires and pitch wins and good indications from marketers that spend is coming back, not least, of course, these figures from IAB and like you said, Xander, the SMI, all leads to hopefully a 
relatively promising Q1 21. Let's wait and see. The news media bargaining code is back in the spotlight as Australia's major television networks have come together with publishers, radio networks and peak industry bodies to call on the Morrison government to implement a news media bargaining code before the end of the year. This was followed by Google Australia issuing a statement following an article in a News Corp publication that it claims included several inaccuracies about Google's position on the news media bargaining code. My head is spinning a little bit trying to keep up with all the players' opinions on this. It seems like we're seeing statement after statement after statement, a little bit of a tit for tat here. Olivia, you've been thrown right into the hot seat having just joined Mumbrella and now having to cover off all of this and and catch up with it, not least the fact that you've only recently arrived back into the country. But can you tell me a bit about what the latest is here? Yes, Damien, it it is a very much a tit for tat at the moment. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've seen both seven and nine use their AGMs to take swipes at the uh, low tax paying foreign entities, as they refer to them, who are using their obviously very expensive content that they've produced, and that seems to be at the heart of this. Uh, you know, disagreement between the traditional media companies and the likes of the new media companies and and new tech companies such as Google and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, According to Google, it invested approximately a billion dollars in Australia last year and uh, it claims that its uh, advertising and search uh, generate more than $35 in business benefits. As you mentioned, on Monday we saw you know, some competitors in the market normally come together as a collective uh, against what they consider to be common enemies, that being Google and Facebook, with a call for Morrison government to implement that news bargaining code before the end of the year. Um, it is quite, you know, the code has been on the agenda for a while. We are still waiting to hear from the ACCC, the um, Australian Consumer and Competition C- Commission, As to when they are going to actually release that, um, they did have consultations open until late August. Uh, We've not heard any further updates since then. It has just been a lot of vitriol in the marketplace between the likes of particularly Google and the two main media organisations, that being uh, Seven and also Nine. Uh, It is interesting that Google has used a very progressive approach to do this rather than using their own platforms per se they've got a lot of senior people doing blogs which is quite interesting whereas the media companies i.e news corp are using their various publications and agms for example nine and seven to get their message out so it it's an ongoing situation one which we will uh, wait with bated breath interestingly one of the main points that google is making is that publishers can choose whether or not their websites appear in search and that Google does send more than 3 billion clicks and visits to Australian news publishers uh, at no extra charge. So it is an interesting strategy that we're seeing taking place with Google saying, we're not, we're not using your content, we're just directing people to it. And the publisher saying, you're making profit off our content. I will refrain from asking you any more questions on that because, like we've just said, it seems like a little bit of a tit for tat at the moment. I think we'll be hearing a lot more about this moving forward, regardless of whether we have any uh, final outcomes or anything like that. 
what will we hear before the end of the year? Let's wait and see. Perhaps we'll talk about it again on the Mumbrella cast. But you mentioned Google and Facebook, and one of the other getting bigger players is, of course, TikTok. We'll move straight on to that because up next is going to be your chat with TikTok Australia's Brett Armstrong. Today on the podcast, we have Brett Armstrong, General Manager, Global Business Solutions at TikTok. Brett, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Olivia. Great to be here. We will start off with uh, you launched a new brand campaign in Australia in September. Can I get a bit of an update from you about how you think that campaign has resonated with the market so far? Yeah, I think, Olivia, if I step back and we think about this year, this year for TikTok in Australia has been getting into the market and connecting with the, the audience and the amazing creators, the users that really engage in the platform and all the brands that have you know, jumping to get into the platform. So this this campaign was really about saying, look, TikTok is here, it's Australian, uh, we are local. And so for us, we felt really positive about the impact that had. And I think you would have seen it was a real unique Australian feel to it. Um, one thing I'm really proud of was the soundtrack on that campaign. So one way we made this really local is we engage with uh, Baker Boy. So we have a great new director of music, Ollie Wards, coming from Triple J. So first thing he did on the job, he engaged with Baker Boy. He was a 2019 uh, Young Australian of the Year, amazing Indigenous uh, talent. Uh, And they they wrote a song with Dallas Woods that was the theme for the the campaign. So I don't think there's anything that could be more Australian and local um, and something I was really proud of to put that on the soundtrack. So I think what we did is we brought a really local powerful, uh, resonating campaign. And speaking in market, I speak to a lot of customers, advertisers, partners, brands, and we got some really good feedback and the awareness certainly cut through. That's an important uh, question, actually. Going into the campaign, what were some of the key measures of success that you were looking for from that campaign? Look, I think really it was it was all about putting that message out there that we were going to be in market that we're here for business to the creators that this is a chance for you to demonstrate as an Australian your creativity on an amazing platform with an audience that's going to be able to connect in a really authentic and fun way. Uh, so our, our real objective was to make that happen and, and get that message out. And uh, we feel really positive uh, about the, the feedback from that. And we've got, you know, this is just the first of many. We've got a big plan for the next uh, 12 months. And that will certainly feed in that local, that Australian uh, feel will come through really clearly in the in the coming months. Interesting. I, I noted some recent Roy Morgan statistics that obviously a lot of current users on TikTok are quite young, um, born after 2006. Um, is that an audience that you're looking to build off? And, and how do you see that in, in terms of value for brands that you want to partner with? Yeah, look... You know, third-party data is always interesting and I've worked, you know, my background, I've worked in multiple um, publishers and platforms and there's always third-party data and it can also always look so different. So what I would say is that um, our audience is probably not what you generally expect from uh, that data and and I'd say what we are is a platform for everyone. And uh, so the the other thing to really note is that if you you cannot be on this um, app if you're under 13. 
So we've got a 12 plus app store rating. Parents can block the app from their children. So this thing is this thing is really clearly for above 13 year olds. And as I said, the thing I'm most proud about is particularly this year, we're seeing a really big take up of uh, users and consumers from different demographics. Um, as I said, beyond what you may may think. And you can even see like going back to some of the challenges we saw at the start of the year. Uh, I think back to, I had a really, um, we all had a really tough time with the bushfires. There was a drought, there was a bushfires. My family were caught in the bushfires and they're all okay. But I think about the firefighters and everyone in the community engaging and you saw, you know, volunteers getting on the platform. Uh, you saw in the challenging times we've had in the last six months, you see families getting in the platform and creating and, and viewing it together. So, yeah, Olivia, I'd say it's it's really exciting that it's it's a much more broad uh, demographic than than you may expect. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that is the appeal then to brands who want to engage with them um, on the B two B front. I, I know you launched a series earlier in the year. Uh, Don't make ads an advertising competition. And I just wanted to ask you about that. How do you view that? Where does an ad uh, start and end on a platform such as TikTok? Yeah, this was this was a really fun campaign. We we were really lucky. We got to work with, uh, we had Optus, Hyundai, Afterpay and Tourism New Zealand. And so we had the CMOs for all those respective businesses come in. And, and what we were able to do was partner them up with four amazing creators. So we had the likes of Ash Magic, Raffenstein, Alex Lyon, and uh, Jay Rodriguez. So the, you have a combination of magicians, creative individuals, dancers. And what they did was they, they connected with those brands and their objectives and they created content that reflected what they felt was that brand and what they were, uh, how they sort of epitomize that in creative content. So for me, this, this is what this was all about. TikTok is a very new platform in term, for, a, for a marketer. It creates so much unique and exciting opportunities. The thing that I talk to um, brands about is the opportunity that hasn't, for me, been around before to have a real two-way conversation with your audience. For me, if I look at my traditional marketing background and the things that we've been engaged in, often it's a brand, it's an agency coming up with a message and putting that forward to their audience. And it's been mostly one way. I think the thing that we've seen with TikTok is it's this it's this question that's being put out to the audience to say, look, what do you feel about our product? Tell us what you think of it. Tell us how you want to use it. Tell us how you want to express your creativity with it. Uh, and what these brands are seeing is that they're starting to learn from their, their consumer base more than they'd ever knew about these products and services before than before. So for me, this is what making TikToks is all about. It's about it's engaging with an authentic way, with creativity, with consumers that can connect back and have this two-way conversation that's truly unique and the most engaging format that I've ever been a part of in, in marketing. That's interesting. The, I guess the two-way relationship, uh, lots of marketers would say that that's a great opportunity, you know, to hear from your audience directly. But it can also on occasion backfire, as we've seen in the past with some social media campaigns. What What's your view on that? What and how can brands ensure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, I think that this is the thing. Like, we are not a social media platform. And this is the thing that we're trying to work with, you know, for me, my team, particularly with brands and agencies and creative agencies, 
uh, a social media platform and some of the competitors traditionally will have connection with people will connect with their friends and their circles. The difference with TikTok, it's all about this content. And so for for you, you may have interests in whether it's uh, whether it's creativity in, in art, whether it's painting, whether it's a particular type of music, whether it's a type of humor, your connections will be with that community. So what will happen is when a brand puts out, uh, I guess, a challenge, the first thing is to make sure that, for me, I think the best thing is to make sure it's got an opportunity for the customers to engage in a real positive way. Uh, we've seen good examples of this. Uh, we saw Afterpay. They, they really went big with uh, their fashion week. I don't know if you saw that a couple of weeks ago. I was super excited. So the reason I love Afterpay so much is, one, it's such an extreme success story. If I think about what Nick's done there from Bondi uh, in the last 12 months in particular, but more so beyond in the last six years, they've gone to become a really big global brand. And what they saw was an opportunity to connect with an audience in this way that we're talking about that can create engagement. They were so successful that uh, they had literally billions of views of their campaign and they created this challenge where consumers could get on board and really easily with great music do a, their own interpretation of a catwalk and getting that afterpay feeling. So I think, you know, this is for a brand and an agency and an advertiser. It's about being a bit thoughtful about what you're putting out there and how you want to connect with your audience and making it really easy for them to connect in a positive way. But, you know, to, to really answer your question, what we see on this platform, if you get on it, you're going to find that it's positive, it's happy. It's, it's a really, really fun and, uh, and creative place with lots of authenticity. Interesting. And in terms of looking forward in, in uh, the next sort of 12 months, what, what are the major ambitions for TikTok in the Australian market in terms of those brands you want to work with or the scale or volume of campaigns that you're looking to undertake? The, one of the things that drew me to this, this role in this business was the opportunity to take an amazing platform like TikTok, bring it to Australia and make it an Australian platform that's going to resonate with Australian um, brands, advertisers, agencies, partners in a really local way. And so I think, you know, we've done that in a couple of a couple of examples already. Um, but I think we can do so much more here. And I've, I've mentioned the music example that we had with uh, Baker Boy. I think we have so much talent and our creators are so clever. If, if you ever get a chance to sit through and look at some of them, the things that they can come up with every day just seriously blow me away. And, you know, even things like farmers documenting their everyday life. Um, there's one that you've got to look up, which is, has this, this amazing ca- character called Patrick the Lama. It's just so broad and diverse. So for me, it's really showcasing that amazing Australian talent. And it's not, it's not preconceived, perfectly scripted talent. It's just amazing Australian authenticity that I think works really well in this market. So for me, it's making sure that we're bringing that to the platform. It's really highlighting these great areas of, of, um, of talent and local excellence. It's getting brands to go even further on the platform and um, push the innovation piece, which I'll come to in a second, uh, and, and ultimately making sure that people jump on the platform and they, they see that this thing is, it's a global platform with amazing uh, fun and it's a, it's a happy place to come, but inherently it's an Australian feel. 
That's really interesting. I would love you to touch on that authenticity aspect in particular. Yeah. Uh, Look, this is, you know, we talked about don't making ads, make TikToks. This is one thing that we see work really well. Thinking about a lot of the audience on the platform, you know, and and even if we go to to, um, millennials, for example, as one section of the audience, the thing that we see, and there's, there's a lot of external studies on this, Millennials don't mind seeing advertising. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother them to see advertising, but it needs to be, it needs to have purpose and connection to them. And if you can keep that audience engaged and entertained, they will, they will be okay to see it. But the thing that really works with them is they want to see real things. They're very discerning. They know what's real. They know what's fake. So I think my, my team's guidance to the market is, if you want to connect with this platform and this amazing audience that really is quite unique and, and more engaged than, for me, any other platform, the guidance is be yourself, be real. Don't try and pretend to be something you're not. Have fun with the platform, be brave, but get on there and be prepared to, to get that experience and two-way conversation with your customers and you're going to learn so much about them and you're going to be able to build engagement that is much deeper and more rich than really any other platform. Oh, that's interesting. Get, given what you've, you know, just discussed there and, and you know, the high-profile brands you have already worked with, what, what would you say has been um, the platform's, you know, most significant achievement in this market in the past sort of six months? Yeah. You know, I've got to be honest, the thing, that, the thing that's really blown me away is, and I don't want to go on about covid and all the things that we've, we've been through, because I think everyone's, you know, feeling great about the fact that everyone's getting back outside and there's been some positive news on on uh, on vaccines, et cetera. So I'm going to try and keep this positive. But if I'm reflecting in the last six months, the, the, the team at, that we've got working at TikTok have gone through so much uh, adversity like many businesses. And some businesses have had to maintain, and particularly in the digital media space, maintain their audience, which has been really hard for everyone. Uh, and, you know, I'm very empathetic too because I know there's been so many businesses. If I look at the country town I grew up in, they had the bushfires and then they had this, this, this pandemic hit. They're a tourist town. Like half of the city is, is shut down. So this has been really hitting and we know the impact but if I think about this business in particular we've gone through a lot of turbulence not to maintain a business but actually build a business and the team have shown amazing amazing resilience and uh, and I think the brands that we've worked with you know the, the brands and some of the CMOs that I get to speak to I've got some amazing amazing people that my teams work with and, and I speak to on a regular basis the support we've had from them and the relationships we've built by helping them work through this tough time, I think they're going to be much stronger than you could ever build in a time where everything is going fine. So for me, it's the fact that we've got these brands, uh, we've partnered with these brands, we've helped them, we've got amazing results um, that have been delivered. Like if I look at, you know, menu log, the amount of engagement and, uh, and customer base that they drove from that campaign we did in the delivery dance was huge. We had uh, Nissan, they did a, an improvised with Duke campaign. That thing had about 130 million views globally and you had so many people getting on. There was, there was 34,000 video creations on that campaign with people doing duets in a, in a Nissan Duke. 
So there's just really good examples of us working with great brands, riding through the resilience. And I'm feeling so optimistic of what we've built in the last six months and the opportunity of what we're going to bring in 2021 as a result. Fantastic. Just on that, is there anything from a platform perspective in the development in the next few months that advertisers in particular would be keen to know about or interested in in seeing more details about? Yes, definitely. So there's, for us, we have so much opportunity with this platform um, and it's actually we have to be really careful to make sure that we're picking the right things. There's There's more ideas than we probably could deliver in the time that we can deliver them at the moment. So that's what we're working through. But I'll give you a few ideas. One, and this comes back to a really big point of mine and something I'm very passionate about, and I know that I've spoken about this elsewhere and it's it's been called out, but it, it's it's really important. Australia, you know, if we look at our amazing market and you get to meet with a lot of our peers every day, I've worked in other platforms and I've been engaged in media and marketing for, for a long time with global counterparts. I genuinely believe that we have the best, most advanced talent and practitioners in the world. And I also think that our advertisers are super progressive. And if I think of some of the amazing brands, and I, you know, I call out the likes of, of, of Optus and, uh, and uh, Nivea, et cetera, in Australia, like we've had some CMOs that have just got into here and really pushed the barriers quickly. Like we've got brands that are willing to push and test. And that's important because I think it gives us a chance in Australia at TikTok to be the, the innovators for the globe. And my challenge to the team is let's work with our amazing brands and let's partner with them in a way that we're doing things first in the world to be exported out to other countries. So Stepping back and, and what the purpose is for 2021, that's a huge, huge focus for us. What's down the track? Look, there's a few things. If we think about the platform, we have amazing capability to build brand engagement. And if we think about that challenge where we can put out a challenge as a brand, get audience to participate, that's a really unique format. But moving back to my background, I've had a lot of performance experience and work with a lot of performance-oriented brands. There's a lot we're doing to help drive greater capability there, whether it be through lead generation, um, but even more specifically in retail. We know, you know, there's 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 a great hashtag that that organically created called TikTok made me buy it, and this started with you know people looking at at people wearing items of clothes or fashion accessories, and then going out and buying that goods. So this platform has a huge power for brands to be able to drive. Uh, purchases of products. And so we're working heavily on that product development front on a retail capability um, to try and create new formats that are going to make it easier for brands to um, demonstrate their products in a, in a, I guess, a TikTok authentic, fun, creative way. So there's a couple of things, but there are much more down the, down the track. Well, it sounds like a very exciting uh, future for TikTok and for Australian consumers and brands. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to seeing what next uh, comes from TikTok. Olivia, love talking to you. Thank you for all your time and I look forward to speaking to you soon. And that's it for the Mumbrella cast this week. But before we go, sign up to Mumbrella Pro's free seven-day trial to access hundreds of hours of exclusive video content 
and audio analysis. Gain access to a comprehensive industry directory with over 2,000 contacts across agencies, media companies, and brands. And be sure to check out the brand new case studies for top insights on just what goes into creating award-winning work. And for those of you who attended our Sports Marketing Summit, Finance Marketing Summit, Automotive Marketing Summit, Audioland, or Mumbrella 360 Reconnected, don't forget about your exclusive code to unlock Mumbrella Pro for 30 days. This can be found in your confirmation emails. Go to mumbrella.com.au forward slash pro for more information. That's it for this week, though. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to Olivia and Xander as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.